Another Big Ten game to start the college football season coming up just tomorrow. We'll get by the numbers between Penn State and Purdue. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the conference every single day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and thank you, as always, for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Coming up on today's show, a look at the matchup tomorrow between Penn State and Purdue. Both teams with high hopes for the season and looking to get off on the right foot by getting a big win in week one. But what will be the key, at least according to the stats that we have on paper, to either team winning that game? We'll take a look back at each of these teams from 2021 to see if we can get any sort of inkling. Also, later on, Michigan has declared a starting quarterback. In fact, Jim Harbaugh declared a starting quarterback for each of the two weeks. Not the same guy. I'll dive into my thoughts as we've talked plenty about what that battle has been for the Wolverines. Before we get into any of that, though, let's talk about the biggest stories from throughout the Big Ten throughout the day yesterday. Big news coming out of Ohio State yesterday in what's not really news, I guess, but a report coming from John Wilner, a Pac-12 expert, who said that Ohio State, at least as of right now, would not be in favor of expanding the Big Ten further, or at least would be a no vote, is what he implied, if there were to be any sort of expansion further into the Big 12, or Pac-12, as he was interested in. Now, what this means, of course, is that Ohio State just wants to be on top. Of course, the Buckeyes like the idea of Big Ten expansion. I think everybody in the Big Ten likes the idea of Big Ten expansion, right? But the problem is that while everyone also loves that idea, each one of these individual schools, which makes up the Big Ten now, also is always looking out for number one, which is the school itself. So while Ohio State is all on board for adding a USC and a UCLA, I think the Buckeyes may be one of the more hesitant teams to make the Big Ten some sort of super conference right now, just because of the question of what that does to the power balance in the conference. Because right now it's no secret that Ohio State is the power in the Big Ten conference as far as football goes. Yes, Michigan will win every now and then. Yes, there's always some team that seems to find a way to, if not beat, at least make a game out of Ohio State every year. But as far as just who runs the conference, it's the Buckeyes. And it hasn't been all that close for a while. I think in adding USC and UCLA, Ohio State is smart enough to know, okay, they're not going to threaten what we are at least right away. But I would at least want some time if I were someone at the front of Ohio State, in trying to figure out what exactly is going to happen once those two LA schools join the Big Ten. Because right now you've got a situation where you're looking at what's going to be a super conference and then adding two teams from a huge market with huge, huge football tradition behind them too. Now the Big Ten hasn't been lacking any of that already, but it's new faces. And I think it may be the change that Ohio State is most scared of. 
Because to be completely honest, there is no evidence to suggest that USC or UCLA is going to come in here and just take the throne from Ohio State. There's no reason to think that'll happen. But if you're Ohio State, you have to always be worrying and thinking about that, no? Thinking about, okay, how do we make sure that we stay on top? So when the question comes up on being a bigger conference, being a Big Ten with 20 teams or more, depending on how things break down, I'm sure Ohio State is optimistic about it. But again, it's always going to look out for Ohio State first, right? So when it comes to priorities, it's number one, make sure Ohio State is the best in the Big Ten before anything else about expanding the Big Ten or anything like that. And again, Ohio State's not going to lose its crown here in the next year or five years or anything like that. But I think that if Ohio State's hesitant to say, yes, add more teams, the reason has to be because they're thinking about, okay, that's a lot of power coming into this conference, and we want to at least to make sure that we're getting our fair share of it and staying on top if this conference does get bigger and bigger. Because while USC isn't posing a threat right now, I think you do have that thought in the Buckeyes fans' heads of, we just added a blue blood college football school to this conference. What does that mean for our status as the best team in it? Not to take away from the blue blood statuses of a Michigan or any other team in the Big Ten that you want to throw out there. But as far as someone that could contend with Ohio State on the recruiting trail, on the field, at some point in the near future, I think the Trojans are the best bet over any team, even a Big Ten team. And definitely over any team, you know, the Buckeyes are happy with the situation now, right? Like, yes, Michigan's really good, but you don't want to just add another big contender in there to fight with you every single season. As much as the Big Ten would love to be the SEC, I don't know if Ohio State wants to be the Georgia of the SEC, where they're elite, but still having to go through an Alabama every single season. That's, I think, the hesitation if you're trying to figure out what's going on and why Ohio State wouldn't want a bigger Big Ten. It just wants to make sure that it's number one still. Once it's confident in that, I think that just about anyone could come in. And to be fair, I don't know if there is any other school quite like a USC left out there for, up for grabs where you would be the same kind of worried about what it could do in five, ten years to your power. Ohio State's still going to be pretty good no matter what, but I think they're just trying to make sure that they have everything exactly under their control before they say, yeah, we're in on making this a 20-team conference. In other Big Ten news from around the day, Scott Frost is talking after a big loss, of course, to Northwestern and says there's no tension between him and Mark Ripple, Whipple, the offensive coordinator who took over and then didn't quite get the opportunity to finish off a game against Northwestern, depending on who you ask. He says there's no tension there, which is good. I wonder if he feels the tension between himself and just about everybody else who follows Nebraska football. The first men's soccer and field hockey Big Ten Players of the Week have been announced. Real quickly, top offensive players Bente Bakers of Northwestern and then and of the Netherlands wins Offensive Player of the Week in field hockey. And Lawrence Wooten named the men's soccer Offensive Player of the Week as well. A couple of recruiting updates before we get into things on the show. 
four-star Kendrick Gilbert has chosen Purdue. An off or defensive lineman, check that, out of Indianapolis, chooses the Boilermakers over a number of other qualified schools, including Iowa, who was out there on the list too. Also, a big commitment coming tomorrow. Zalance Hurd is a four-star recruit, is big on Nebraska, and is choosing between the Cornhuskers and a bunch of other schools. Also, a little bit down the list is Michigan, but at least according to the sites that I look at for my recruiting news and things like that, he is not as high on the Wolverines as the shot that Nebraska has at really being able to land this guy. We're going to get into here in just a moment a look at Purdue against Penn State, a week one matchup between Big Ten teams that has big implications for both of these programs' seasons. How does each one start it off on the right foot? We'll get into that right here on Locked On Big Ten. Before any of that, though, as always, Bet Online is the place to go for any of your online sports gambling needs. If you want to know about the latest information on how lines are moving throughout the week, say going into a Big Ten football game, you can find the info over at Bet Online. If you want to, of course, see all the lines and get the most games and odds out there, Bet Online has you covered. It really is a one stop shop for anything that you could need. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's continue on here now as Penn State and Purdue are set to do battle here in West Lafayette tomorrow night. It's going to be a really, really, really good matchup between these two teams in trying to figure out what each can do. Because you have a couple of programs that are in a couple of different spots. Purdue won four of its last five last season to put fans going into this season in a pretty good position. Boilermaker fans, I feel like, are confident. I've been big on Purdue all offseason, especially Aiden O'Connell. And you've got a team that thinks it can compete in what is a wide-open Big Ten West that seems to at least be having one less contender than we may have thought in the Nebraska Cornhuskers unless they can turn things around quick. On the other side, Penn State's a football powerhouse, one of those blue bloods we talked about a little bit ago, but a team that went 6-7 and seven last season and has not had the same kind of success as what we've seen at least a few years ago as recently from James Franklin. And it's a big year for him as well, trying to get Penn State back to the stage that it thinks it should be on. But what do the numbers say? We talk a lot about the momentum and the kind of mindset that people go into going into a game on this show. But let's dive into the actual X's and O's, the stats from last season that could lead to a bit of a hint, maybe, as to what could happen here on Thursday night. As far as Penn State goes, 15-3-1 uh, in this series against the Boilermakers has won the last nine matchups against Purdue. Purdue's hosting this game for the first time since 2016. So logistically, if you're looking at just that side of it, it's obvious that Penn State's the team with the expectations here, right? I mean, Purdue has a good roster. And again, people in West Lafayette believe in them. But this is the chance for the Boilermakers to start off the season by saying, hey, we beat Penn State. We beat a team in the Big Ten that is always a threat to win any weekend of the year. And we beat them to start off this season to say, hey, we have arrived. And I think the big key to this game for Purdue is going to be Aiden O'Connell. And how does that first test of his go as he's going to get one to start off the season from this Penn State defense, a revamped Penn State defense, I'll mind you. 
So how does he react to being under that pressure to start the season and being able to try to perform with a Big Ten team that has, of course, a whole lot to try and get as far as a chip on its shoulder as well? What O'Connell will bring on Thursday, I think, is experience, but I'm not sure how much it helps him, right? That's the big question to be answered with him, at least, is while he's had good seasons before, and he's had years where he's put up the numbers last year, he put up plenty of good numbers across the Big Ten, but he has not had the expectation going into this season that he will here with this Boilermaker team. So how do you respond to that pressure? But also, I think it's going to be on him partly because it's been on him with Purdue. The Boilermakers throw the football. First number, I'll throw your way, 61%. That's how much Purdue passes the ball, 61% of the time. That's sixth highest in college football last season. Also, 440 yards per game is top 25 in the country as well. So they air the ball out, and it works. And a guy like Aiden O'Connell, after doing that for a year and going into the next season, you believe is going to be able to hopefully at least keep that up. So the scoring for Purdue, you think, is going to be there. They've been able to throw the ball. They're not afraid to throw the football. Jeff Brom, that's been plenty good. And they've been good enough on defense. As far as team ranks across the country go in most categories, in between like 30 and 50. So not great, not bad. Middle of the pack, but good enough to win games if your offense is good enough. The question is, is Aiden O'Connell going to be that good? Now, where I think this gets really interesting is the fact that a particular place where Purdue does really well is also a place that Penn State's defense is exceptional in stopping. Looking at just uh, short passes, or I should say, I guess, uh, pass completion. Here, let me find my stats I'm looking for here. There it is. The safe passes. I'm talking about short passes middle of the field, stuff like that. In passing yards per game, Purdue was 40th in the country. While throwing it the third most out of any team, they only got the 40th most yards. So it tells you that Purdue likes to get those kind of short gains down the middle and establish the pass that way. Some high percentage passing, of course, to move things down the field as you have to in college football a lot of the time. But the point being that while Purdue throws the ball a ton, the yardage in passing didn't quite match as much how much they had been throwing it. So while Purdue is definitely a team that likes to air the ball out and they'll take their shots, it's a team that makes its living on offense in those chunk plays, those short, quick, crossing route kind of passes, easy yardage stuff that Aiden O'Connell has excelled at being able to do. At the same time, when you look at the passing yards per game allowed, Penn State is third in the nation, or was in 2021 on defense, in passing yards allowed per game. Now, there's some things that have changed since that has happened on that defensive side of the football for Penn State. A couple of guys lost, but as far as what the Nittany Lions do well, it seems to be holding teams to low amounts of passing yards. And what Purdue does well while passing the ball a ton is doing it efficiently and getting the for sure yards in that game. So that's where I think this game ends up decided. What is it exactly that Aiden O'Connell is asked to do on Thursday is the question. Is it something where he can do his methodical march down the field kind of game and chip away at a Penn State defense for four quarters? 
Or will Penn State be able to take that away? And if Aiden O'Connell wants to win it, he has to take the shots downfield. Those are the questions. I think number one, what does Penn State make Aiden O'Connell do? Will they allow him to go underneath and try and beat him that way? Or will they say, hey, we're going to put the pressure on and force you to beat us with your arm? And if that does happen, can Aiden O'Connell do that? If the answer is yes for Aiden O'Connell, yes, he can do it, then Purdue, I think, wins this football game either way. But if Penn State gets a little bit under the quarterback's skin and is able to take away what he most relies on in this offense, then you see a point where Penn State maybe can be effective here on that side of the football. Because I think this is the side of the football where things get decided, when Purdue's on offense and Penn State's on defense. I don't know what Sean Clifford's going to do. I don't know what that Penn State or Purdue defense is going to do for sure. But I'm fairly confident that both of these units, the Purdue offense and Penn State defense, are still pretty good. And I think whoever comes out on top in that battle is what ends up deciding the game. That's at least how I see it when I look at the numbers. Those were the biggest ones that stuck out to me is that at least at the moment, Purdue likes to pass the ball a lot and not get the most yardage from it, meaning save short passes. But Penn State's good at taking that away. So what is it that they can take away? And if they do take it away, how can Aiden O'Connell respond? We'll find out, of course, on Thursday. Before we wrap up the show here on Locked On Big Ten, a reminder to check out the Ultimate College Football Preview. It's a seven-episode series of everything you need to know going into the football season. All up right now if you search Ultimate College Football Preview wherever you get your podcasts. we got a Big Ten preview in there that I'm on, talking Big Ten teams. Also a National College Football Playoff Preview that I get into a lot of the Big Ten's chances with. It's going to be a whole lot of fun this season, and you can get ready for it over at the Ultimate College Football Preview on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to search and learn more about everything going on in college football going into the season. Before we end things today, announcement from Jim Harbaugh over the weekend that I hadn't gotten to quite yet, but definitely need to. The Michigan Wolverines have a starting quarterback, and actually have two for the first two weeks of the season. I had been preaching throughout the offseason that I was pretty sure Jim Harbaugh was not going to get away from what he had done last year and that what worked because I think he believes in these two quarterbacks. And I had also more recently been pretty adamant about that whether or not the two quarterbacks are legit good or not, you need to have one at some point in your campaign to be able to win it this year. I do not think that Michigan comes back and with two quarterbacks or at least a system of two quarterbacks going into that Ohio State game, is able to beat the Buckeyes again. I just don't see it in the cards. So when Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, Cade McNamara is starting game one and J.J. McCarthy starting game two, I hope at least that that means that he's doing it to try and find a clear starter. What I think it means is that he's doing it to get both guys some time on the field in a season where they're both going to see a lot of time on the field. If I were doing things, I would say let's give J.J. McCarthy the reins and then see if he can do it. If he can, it's his team. I know Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to do that. I know Cade McNamara has earned the trust and really has earned the trust of him and the rest of the coaching staff at Michigan. 
But all signs indicate, at least from the people who say they know this stuff, and I am not one of them, but from what I've read, all signs indicate that J.J. McCarthy is the more talented quarterback. And if you're talking about a ceiling for Michigan, he is the guy that should be under center to do it. If that's the case, he needs to be there from the start, at least this season, I think. Because Ohio State's better, Michigan's defense is not as good. That's just the short of it. If you want to be able to beat the Buckeyes, you have to put your best out there. And right now, I think there's a potential for Michigan to be better if J.J. McCarthy is there full-time. I don't want to take away from Cade McNamara. What he's done is too good at Michigan to take away from. However, Michigan's a team that recruits second-best in the Big Ten for a reason, to try and compete with Ohio State. And J.J. McCarthy's a five-star recruit out there who is right now taking a back seat, at least in the first game, to this guy who, yes, led you to the college football playoff last season, but did it with McCarthy, and to be quite honest, doesn't have the same kind of abilities at the high end. He just doesn't. So while McNamara is going to be able to manage this game this Saturday really, really well, and I believe him, I know he will, I just can't sit there and watch it and think like, why aren't we getting McCarthy snaps? And who knows, maybe he will. He'll probably will get some snaps, now that I say it, in that first week game, even if McNamara is starting and he's set to start week two. I'm just saying that if I were going into this season, it would be with the goal of, hey, let's find this quarterback in these early games when it probably isn't going to matter. It seems like Jim Harbaugh is saying, hey, we have our quarterbacks, let's get them both ready for a grind of a season. And I would not be happy if I were a Michigan fan doing that again. Even if it did work last season, I don't think it's good enough to win two years in a row. That's it for Locked On Big Ten here today. Again, Nate Dickinson with you as always, Monday through Friday, keeping you up to date on everything you need to know on what's going on in the conference. We'll be back tomorrow with more on everything, of course, leading up to a big Penn State-Purdue matchup. And also another huge weekend just in general of Big Ten football from Thursday all the way through Saturday. There will be some sort of big Big Ten games to watch. We'll have it all for you right here on Locked On Big Ten.